Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Welcome back to the Bliss Bean Show. So in the last episode, I talked about what my goals are for YouTube for 2021. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about more just in general, my goals for 2021. So including personal goals as well. So this is also going to be a pretty casual episode, but it's not a solo episode. Today, I'm talking to my friend Nico. So do you want to introduce yourself, Nico? Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me on this very chit chatty episode. I'm Nico. I'm from Germany and I'm I'm studying right now. I'm studying geography and Spanish. And well, what else is there to say? I guess not too much. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's that's literally all of my personality. <laughs> Yeah, so me and Nico have known each other for almost exactly a year now. Um, So the first time that we talked was on Instagram because I had started traveling. Well, no, we knew each other from November. I think. And then we met each other in person in January. Yeah, but I remember like, I think I just Googled or like went on YouTube and went like Korean, Korean study tips. And then I found (laughs) your video and I was like, oh, it's not too long. I'm going to click on it. And I don't know, I just like really clicked with your vibe and then I went onto your Instagram and just followed you. And I remember, I don't know if you followed me back as well before I replied to your stories. Anyway, at one point you uh, followed me back and then we got into the conversation. I saw that you were in Spain. Then you were like talking about where you want to go and within the next two weeks and we found out that we were going to Barcelona at the same time mm-hmm. and like we literally didn't really know each other but I was like oh yeah let's meet up and yeah I think then we quickly just we booked the same hostel <laughs> and then we met and so we were there like four days three days together yeah, it was so we short were like, it w- but it was so short because we both like very sick and (laughs) yeah I think we spent like two full days exploring Barcelona yeah like one day sick one day I arrived and then I also already left so it was a very short encounter but like I was so happy that like Barcelona was the uh, the start of my trip last year and I was so happy that I have some person to look forward to to meeting it really helped knowing that there's someone waiting for me even though I don't really know that person but yeah yeah I mean we had never met each other but I had also never met any of the people at the hostel so I I rather would have hung out with you than those random people it was really hard for me to talk to strangers because that was my first experience traveling on my own did you have that Like, Barcelona was the first, like, real hostel that I stayed in. But I remember, like, one year ago, in 2019, I stayed two nights in Porto. And the the vibe there wasn't really, like, a very very hostile vibe. Like, no one was really looking for friends. They were all doing their stuff. But that was totally fine at this point. And then when I arrived in Barcelona, like, I really didn't know how to act around all these people. So I remember, like, walking up the stairs and just, like saying hello to everyone immediately and just like oh hi I'm Nico and um they were like oh yeah hello and then I went to my room yeah. we didn't know each other but was like hello hello and I think we like immediately clicked yeah for sure and honestly I didn't think we would keep in touch afterwards because I had met some people on my trip that I never talked to again after we hung out while I was traveling but we just kept 
like staying in touch through texting and voice messaging just I feel like we have a lot of similar interests and similar ways of looking at life so it just it just worked so I feel like that's a good segue um, to start talking about our goals because we have a lot of similar goals so I'll start it off and then we can just take turns sharing a goal each and then just talk about it so one of the goals I I'm looking at my artist of life workbook from Lavender 2021 not sponsored <laughs> there's this section that says um it's all about learning goals. No, personal growth goals. So one of my personal growth goals was to improve my Spanish and Korean because I was doing pretty good at studying last year, both languages, and then I really tapered off towards the end of the year because just 2020 was wearing on me. I did not have the energy to be studying every single day, but I really want to get back to it this year. So actually this morning, I had my first um, Spanish lesson on italki with a new teacher. Last week, I had my first Korean lesson with a new teacher. And that just got me so excited um, and so motivated. Um, I would honestly say that I have the same goals. Like, <laughs> um, like, one, I really want to improve my Spanish. I know that I'm studying Spanish, but I feel like I arrived at somewhat of a plateau, if you could say yeah. that. Like... I don't really see like any progress and I feel like I made progress in the beginning of the year when I was in Spain obviously in Colombia mm -hmm. so like that was very motivating but now it's just like very like not a lot is happening and like I'm studying Spanish but a lot of the lessons are just in German so I don't really like speak it or write it or anything and um, now coming to Korean like I, I remember when you were taking all of these italki lessons last year and like when you were talking about when we could um, interchange with all of these grammar lessons and you were like always one step ahead I was like oh my god I want to get there <laughs> like that was very that was motivating and I definitely learned some Korean last year like I think I came to a point where I had a good um, feel not really feeling but like I had a better understanding of how the language works and I really want to keep improving in Korean, like, even if it's just, like, more indirectly than Spanish, but I feel like that's a very sustainable way of learning through songs or, yeah, mainly through songs in, in my way, but, yeah. Yeah, so I was always telling you about my italki lessons right after they finished, and you were always telling me about the song lyrics that you were translating, so those are, like, our signature methods of studying. <laughs> yeah. I am mostly using only one uh, source and I love it. It's howtostudykorean.com. Like, mm -hmm. I'm honestly amazed that everything is free there. But I know that you that the best way to learn a language is to, like, get different type of sources. But I'm mainly using this one and it actually, like, really helps me. And it's, like, it's teaching everything in very little steps. And I get it. Yeah, howtostudykorean.com is the one I use, too. And it's the one I've recommended in all of my videos about studying Korean. It's honestly, I feel like they offer too much for free. Like, they, I... I wish they would make some of it yeah. paid because something like talk to me in Korean, I don't know a whole lot about them, but I hear that a lot of people use their resources and they sell like textbooks and practice books and all this stuff. And I feel like they're just better at monetizing their content than how to study Korean is. Yeah, talk to me in Korean definitely has all of these videos that I'm also like looking into them from time to time. But I think if you want to get like 
more content you have to be a member so that's why that's why i always come back to how to study korean.com but one of my goals this year is to get a korean grammar book or something that like takes me to another level but i don't know if i will like actually do that this year because you really need to invest time into that language and i feel like if you really want to learn it like of course you can always like juggle around with the languages but if you want to make some serious progress yeah i that's like one of my goals that i get more into the language in a proper way and not just like look at lyrics and that's it because <laughs> that is all that you do no <laughs> Um, but yeah, I noticed that as well today when I had my Spanish lesson was my mind was coming up with Korean words rather than Spanish ones. And so I noticed that it was all really getting tangled up in my head. Or there was this one time, I think I was doing homework for my Korean lesson and I needed to say, oh my gosh, what was I even trying to say? Because what I said was incorrect in all languages. <laughs> But I somehow combined the imperfect conjugation of Spanish, aba, um, with gongbuhada, which in Korean is to study. And I said <laughs> gongbuhaba. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, I really get this when you when you mix all the languages around. Like, I don't speak too many, but like, I can speak English, obviously. <laughs> And sometimes, like, I, I remember, like, the last couple of days I talked to you um, in the voice clips. And the word just didn't come to my mind, but I had like the Spanish word in my head. So I just like <laughs> popped it in because like, I know that you know it as well. And I think we also talked about this in like one of our lessons in university, like language can be just like one language, but if like the person you're talking to is also understanding what you're saying in a different language, like you can just like mix it around. Like language doesn't have to be like in boxes or anything. Mm -hmm, and yeah. It does not have to follow like one rule. Like, yeah, if you if you're gonna write somewhat of a great article and have to pay attention to all the grammar rules, then yes. But other than this, if the if the person you're talking to is perfectly understanding what you're saying, mm. I think that's like also okay. And I I think this is like what makes language so interesting. We do that at my house as well. Our native language is Lithuanian, but. Honestly, I usually say that my native language is English because I feel more comfortable talking in English, but that's just technicalities. We speak Lithuanian and English at home, um, and I would say it's like 80% to 90% Lithuanian, but as time has gone on and I'm forgetting some Lithuanian words, I keep substituting English ones, but then also sometimes conjugating them in a Lithuanian way. And so, so for example, nouns in Lithuanian usually end in similar ways and one of the ways that they end is us so for example table stalas uh magazine journalis and so if you just throw in an english word it sounds kind of unnatural so i would add the us ending and for example if i wanted to say like cake i'd say cake us and so my friends were like why do you add us to everything? And I didn't even notice that I was doing that. But when I'm talking to my family and like mixing Lithuanian and English, it just makes it flow better to use English vocab with Lithuanian conjugation. So I think what you said is really true. There are grammar and whatever rules in a language, but at the end of the day, if you're communicating something and the other person understands you, language is happening. That's language. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to say. Thank you. Thank you for like <laughs> putting that into a better way than me just like mumbling around. <laughs> that's my um, job. 
when you were talking about um, how you conjugate English words in a Lithuanian way, yeah. I would say, like, we do the same in German. Um, like, there, there's so many, so many discussions about how there's an overuse of English words nowadays. But, mm. like, sometimes, especially with, like, with my friends or just, like, with young people in general, it's, like, sometimes some English words just fit better and they convey the mood in a better way. Yeah, language is really interesting, so hopefully we can both improve in all of our languages this year. Do you have any other goals on your list? Well, I've written down these 50 things I want to do in 2021. Um, and one of my goals is read at least 12 books, because we have 12 months in the year, and I feel like reading at least one book a month should be somewhat um, reachable. And last year, I read 11. I almost would have read 12. If it wasn't for Anna Karenina being like a thousand pages book, <laughs> um, like I had, I think I had 50 pages left. I really could have finished oh. that in 2020, but I didn't. And now I just counted it for having read it in 2021. I also really get inspired by another friend of mine who has read, I think it was 122 books last year. Wow. And... Like, I really just want to make more time for reading. I feel like this is a pretty basic sentence to say. But at the end, I feel like you can profit from books so much more than you can profit from, like, just... I mean, it really depends on what you consume on the internet or, like, on YouTube or Netflix. But, like, I feel with books, they really... They, they also, like, at least that works for me. Like, if I read them in the evening, right before bed, they somehow just, like, calm you a bit and, like, bring you in the mood. And I don't want to be the person who's like, I'm, I'm reading every night before I go to bed because that's definitely not what I do. But there's so many books, so many good books in the world. And I feel like I'll probably never read all of them. So I try to make more time to get at least a tiny bit of that. I agree. I think books just go deeper into every topic. So, like, you could watch a video about something, but reading a whole book on it is just a whole different experience. My goal is to read 20 books this year, so I'm better than you. <laughs> <But la> Maybe <laughs> last... I'll top you. <laughs> it's okay. It's on. Last year, I read 30 books, which was very much an anomaly for me because I feel like in high school, I all but... I don't know, I feel like I stopped reading outside of school, um, which I think is a very common experience. <laughs> like, I think even the kids who, like, really like to read in elementary and middle school, once high school or college hits, a lot of times that habit just goes down the drain. But the last year I read a lot more books because, I think mainly because I got into reading fiction again, and I was just so like sucked in by it that I literally when I did a sponsored video with book of the month I got five books and I literally read one book per day I went through all of them so fast so if I had kept that pace up could have gotten through 365 but yeah my goal for <laughs> this year is just 20. Another goal that I have for this year is to uh, learn about the Enneagram and the Meyer Briggs. So I have this one friend with whom, actually it was the friend on the last podcast episode. I'm going to call her out. We are always talking about the Enneagram and the Meyer Briggs personality types. And I just find both of them so interesting, but there's definitely like gaps in my knowledge. I'm way more familiar with the Enneagram. But also with that, I'm most familiar with my type 
but not so much the other ones. So I started reading um, The Wisdom of the Enneagram by Don Richard Rizzo, but I think I have a few types left to learn about in that one. And then the Meyer Briggs is honestly a big mystery to me, but apparently people are really interested in it. I just don't understand it yet. Have you ever taken the Meyer Briggs test? This, the test with the uh, like four letters, right? Yeah. The MBTA, MBTI. I. TI. So yeah, I'm definitely more familiar with the Meyer Briggs test. Um, I think I told you about like my my type, and I was like, I found out all of these psy psychology stuff, and I was like, oh my god, this fits so well. And then I told you about it, and you were like, yeah, I I don't really know what this is, but I'm more familiar with the Enneagram. And then I looked at mine, and I think I was like Enneagram four, but to be honest, I really like. I did some random tests on the internet and I feel like, is there, is there even one certified test? Because if you do the Meyer Briggs test, there's this one page where you could do it. But like, I had to look... 16 personalities? Yeah, 16personalities.com or .de. <laughs> so the first time that I even heard about the Enneagram, and I didn't even understand the, the word at first, was in a song by the Cimarellis, which is called New Year, New Me. And... Lisa mm -hmm. was just like talking about New Year's and like changes and she was like oh no and then her sister was like yeah fours really love change and I was like fours what and then they were mentioning Enneagram before that and like I still think that I haven't really gotten like the best idea of it and yeah but I'm I'm like really interested in all this psych psychology stuff and like sometimes I'm thinking about like studying psychology but I do have parts of psychology in my in my lectures and I feel like that's enough for right now well actually you said you took the 16 personalities test but I've heard from some people that that one is not very accurate so I think the reason I never really learned that much about it or connected with it was because I every time I took it I got ISFJ And maybe it's that the explanation wasn't good or the test wasn't accurate, but I just could never relate to that description at all. So I've heard recommendations for some other tests, but I think mostly what people say is like, just learn about what the letters actually mean, and then you'll be able to kind of figure yourself out, which is how I figured out the Enneagram. I didn't take a test. I just read about all of them, and I was like, type three wing four sounds absolutely like me. And type four... Sound, sounds like you as well so I think that could be accurate I think a lot of these times with these type of tests it's it, it really depends on how receptive you are for like reading through all of that and how much you actually want that it fits you like I think like some part of your brains they just like yeah that's my behavior when in reality maybe it actually isn't your behavior and you're just like manipulating yourself so I think that is definitely interesting you should always have that in the back of your head when you're reading these also because like 16 personalities seems like a big variety but I feel like you can't put humanity into 16 personalities so because we're all unique <laughs> <laughs> Um, like coming back to the list of goals, one of the goals I have is like going on a date, which seems like I don't really think I can um, execute that within the next couple of weeks, but we don't know what's waiting in 2021. And I feel like now, especially that I moved to another city, I thought that like that would be cool. Yeah, I well, I was supposed to go to college in Spain last year. 
I guess like any student going to college, I was so excited to meet new people and date. And then that did happen. And it was like the the opposite of going to college and meeting new friends was I was just staying at home and not meeting anyone. And so, yeah, hopefully this year I'll meet some new people. And I didn't write it down, but I guess a goal of mine would be to go on a date as well. But I'm also like, I'll only, like in 2021, only four of those months will be in Spain um, at college. So I'm going to... I'm going to keep my expectations low. Maybe that's not enough time to go on a date. But yeah, we'll see. I I also had this kind of romanticized view on college or like university life. Yeah. And I thought like, because I remember when I applied to university in summer and in summer, like a lot of these restrictions were pretty low. So like dating was definitely, was definitely a thing and would be possible. And then when I moved to the city it was like fall and now we have all of these restrictions and like this whole idea of like going to university and um just like I don't know dating around being being absorbed by all of this um you know university stuff and just like having that life that you see in the movies and like I don't know even if it's sometimes not the most pleasant way they picture like college life I still wanted that And now it's just like you mm -hmm. stay inside all day and you sit in front of your laptop. The craziest thing you do all day is go to the supermarket. And I don't know, maybe I'll meet my significant other on the supermarket, but I don't know yet. <laughs> Have you seen the commercials for like those online dating apps? And they're showing how you can go on virtual dates. No, I haven't. But we have a lot of those in the United States, at least. <laughs> um, they'll like show people you know, having a video call to have dinner or whatever, introducing their pets to each other and stuff. I guess that seems interesting, but it's like, I wouldn't want to meet anyone in Madison because that would just be setting myself up for heartbreak to then have to leave and go to Spain. But I also don't want to like, in advance, do online dating for people who are gonna be in Spain. So it's just like this weird limbo phase and... I guess it's just frustrating to like be at 20 years old when I would say most people start dating or have started dating and it's just like everyone's lives are on pause right now and you just have to wait and be alone for now. Yeah, I definitely I definitely feel like our our youth is maybe just like set back one or two years and we have to like quote unquote suffer through this and just like We can do all of this, hopefully, in a couple of more years. Like, watch us listening to this in 2025 and us being clowns. <laughs> Because we... Still no dates. <laughs> But, okay, so when you talked about these virtual dates, I mean, they can definitely work. Like, right now, we are sitting in a virtual room and seeing each other and just, like, talking. And it's very nice and we have a lot of fun. But when it comes to human interactions, I feel like... Just like body language is so important and how you actually react with that person and how you like there's so much communication that gets lost that you don't that you don't have over virtual space. So a couple of my very dearest friends right now, I've like I've only met them like a year after I've met them online and we were like as if it was never different. So I don't want to exclude that. Yeah, and I feel like with friendships too, there's less of an expectation to be in constant contact. 
like a lot of my good friends and I we won't talk for a couple of weeks and then have a really good conversation and that's fine this is how friendships work but I feel like with a romantic relationship the expectation is that you're kind of always in touch and so that's hard to do virtually if you can't see each yeah, other. Yeah, and like right now I'm thinking if you like if you really want to stay in touch with that person you probably have to be on your phone quite some time during the day and like coming back to another goal. Like I don't know if that's one of your goals, but I really want to reduce my screen time. It worked at the beginning of the at the beginning of the year, now it's January in the first week. So like how how do you see um all of this the rise of like dating online or just like spending a lot of time online especially now that you spend so much time inside uh, in contrast to like trying to be trying to be less on your phone trying to reduce your screen time so i guess on online dating first so i have never tried online dating but i am open to it like i've had some conversations with friends who are not fans of the idea of online dating to me i'm totally open to it it's just that i'm not really in a rush to date and i feel like for the beginnings of my dating experiences it would be nice if it were someone that i just like met at college you know that's a that's a sweet story to have um but i'm totally open to it i actually uh read this book i believe it was The Defining Decade, which I talk about a lot. It's a really good book that explains why your 20s are the most important age for your personality development, your career, creating a family, like basically setting up how the rest of your life is going to look. And so the author said that she's noticed in her personal experience that a lot of times when she meets couples and she thinks like, "Wow, these people are so perfect for each other. Like they're both really unique." but they really found somehow the right person for them and then she asks them how did you meet and the answer is almost always online and so i also often say that i'm like a big numbers nerd a data person i love data and so i just think you know the idea of an app and i guess this doesn't really apply to apps like tinder where it's some very simple bios and some photos but apps where they like really ask questions about your personality and your beliefs and what you're looking for to statistically like go through a big pool of people and sort who could be a good match for you that that idea is just really cool to me because i think that there are a lot of very basic things about people's personalities or about important beliefs they have about the world that are almost kind of like deal breakers and so just being able to filter that out very quickly um seems very convenient to me but in terms of spending time on your phone honestly has not been that much of a problem for me because i think my problem is sometimes i disconnect too much um and so like texting my friends or posting something on instagram has generally helped me to kind of counteract that feeling but i probably could reduce my screen time in terms of just how much time i spend on my computer and phone combined cuz i think like i have apple phone and computer and i think they combine that data for your screen time and so at the end of the day it'll be like you spent 9 or 10 hours on your computer because just all the work that i do is on my computer so what else can i do but yeah i guess that's the only thing i would reduce otherwise like social media wise i'm pretty happy with how much time i spend on it yeah so i just recently deleted instagram for a full week and actually i thought it would be more 
I thought it would be harder, but I just deleted it in the middle of the night and like, I didn't have any problems. I didn't really miss anything at all. Like at times, I, for example, like when I look, I watched a YouTube video, and I was like, oh, I want to follow this person. Um, I couldn't. But apart from that, like if you really have deleted that, there's like no actual urge to to click on that button on your phone and you really like at least for me I felt like there was so much so much more to do and I felt like I had quite some more hours during the day left this was one of my goals that I have already done now um like one week without Instagram but I think I think I'll do it again like maybe for even longer so yeah I could definitely see some some benefits from it like especially the amount of time that you Uh, like at least that I get from not being on my phone and since you mentioned that you that you work on your computer like I think that's something different because it's actually like work you're not just um wandering around through the internet and like looking at random content that will probably probably like not really fulfill you in some way um so I feel like it's definitely harder if if your work depends on that It's definitely quality over quantity. Like if I go on Instagram and I'm responding to people's messages and posting something on stories, that's fun. That makes me feel good. But like if if I go to the explore page, which I pretty much avoid altogether these days, that's when Instagram kind of sucks me in in a bad way. But if I'm just genuinely interacting with people and creating more than consuming, then it's actually been a pretty positive thing in my life. Oh, I definitely get that with the explore page. Like, I don't have TikTok, but there is this real function now on Instagram. And if I, like, just click on it, you get sucked in so easily. Like, they just know what to show you. They know how you're just, like, stay glued on that phone and, like, keep scrolling and send it to friends. And just, like, it's very addicting. I totally get it. So that's also one of the main reasons why I won't download TikTok because I know that I gonna that I'm going to fall into such a hole. So Okay, regarding TikTok, I still have not downloaded it and I had a lot of my friends tell me download TikTok. But like when they send me TikToks, I can just view them in Safari. So it's not really a problem. For me, I really am interested in how it could help the Blispian. I know that sounds like an excuse, but I feel like I've been good at like turning Instagram into something that's, you know, purely for the Blispian, is only good for me, and really avoiding the bad parts of it. And I feel like if I were that intentional about TikTok as well, I haven't seen that many TikToks, but like people reposting TikToks on Instagram. And there's so many cool creative things that people do on there. And it's just always fun to try new formats. Like I started this podcast this year. That was really nice and refreshing because I've been doing videos for like almost three years now. So it gets a little old. And so just that short form video format is honestly very intriguing to me. Um, so we'll see. Maybe there'll be a Blispin TikTok, but I'm not guaranteeing it. Yeah, TikTok definitely, it opened like a new way of being creative. I and mean, some people actually use that very well. Like it's not just useless content they put out there. It's, it can be like tips or like, honestly, outfit inspiration is so mm -hmm. underrated. Like I love seeing that and like just getting new ideas. And 
I mean, like, some of these TikToks, the humor is just, like, so niche mm. at one point. I just, like, love it how, how they can make you laugh about things that are just, like, so, like, not really out of touch, but it's just, like, I love it. Yeah. I really just admire the effort that some of these creators put into them because when I make a YouTube video, it's, like, let's say 10 minutes long. And so it is a long, big final product, but to make a 15 second video, but spend hours getting ready and putting on different outfits and doing makeup and whatever is just very impressive to me. I was watching one of Jen Im's vlogs and I remember, did you ever see that TikTok trend where it's like how I would dress if I were a video game character and they just kind of spin around and bounce a little? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's doing yeah, it right now. You can't it. see him. <laughs> Um, so she did that TikTok and she was like, yep, I have set aside about three hours of my schedule to do this. And I was just so impressed. Like, I can imagine it does take that long, but I just think that a lot of times people who don't really know that much about content creation and what goes on behind the scenes, they'll see a 15 second video and just be like, it's a 15 second video. How long could it have taken to make? But it's literally hours. <laughs> it, there's so much that happens behind the scenes. I remember I saw a meme that was talking about like um, film directors in 1920. Um, you can't be a film director, uh, a makeup artist, um, an, an editor, um, and like all of these type of jobs. And then was like TikTokers hold my beer exactly <laughs> it's like so much work actually goes into some of these tiktoks yeah well you you used to have a bookstagram right do you want to talk about that because <laughs> i think one of the other things oh that God. we connected over <laughs> was just like understanding the struggles of trying to build an instagram account <laughs> oh my god yes so like oh, that feels like so far away but i had this bookstagram And I started it in 2014 and I just wow. randomly snapped some pictures out of a weird angle with the worst lightning and just like wrote down what I thought of these books or like there were always these challenges and it was like day six, post a red book. And then I just did this and I don't know, it was like at the very beginning of the, the days of Bookstagram, I would say. And also like I had some... I had an advantage because I was a boy and back then like there were this was mainly dominated by women especially in the German uh community so I had I would always say like I was there at the right time and at the right place because it blew up at one point and um like nowadays I don't do it anymore but I feel like through these two or three years I definitely got a lot of insight on how social media works how you create content even though I was literally literally just like taking pictures of books being stacked up and like taking them outside like I remember that one time when it snowed and I like put all of these books into my backpack my tripod and then I went into Aww. the woods by myself and like oh, oh my god I, I didn't want the books to get wet so I had like this bag just laying around it was an effort I tell you that but These books to creme days, they really, like, I definitely know how hard it can be and, like, like how multifaceted the, the job can actually be. Like, I wouldn't consider my books to creme back then a, a job. It was truly a hobby. I didn't make any money out of it. But, um, yeah, I, I would say I do have some type of understanding for how the whole social media thing, even though I'm not practicing it anymore. 
Yeah, well, even though you don't have the bookstagram anymore, I think just looking at your Instagram account, you can tell that you're a former content creator because you you engage <laughs> very well and you create the kind of stories that like I would create and you ask questions and do polls and ask boxes and stuff like that, which I think is really, really fun to see. Thank you. Like sometimes I'm asking myself, like, why do I still do this? There's only a thousand people like following me. But at the end of the day, I just like I get joy from that. And I I mean, there's this quote, like, do more of what makes you happy. And I feel it probably like the root of all of this is probably just my bookstagram days when I got so used to like interacting and like, just like posting out there and putting myself out there. But um, yeah, that's why I think I still like I enjoy just like having a nice feed and posting my stories. And sometimes I try to give them a bit more value, but yeah, for sure. So the last goal that I want to talk about I recently listened to this podcast episode of the 10% Happier Show, and I think her name was like Evelyn Tribol or something like that, but I'll put the correct version in the show notes. So she created like this program for intuitive eating, and she wrote the book on it, and it was just so eye-opening to me. So I've talked a little bit about this on my YouTube channel and on my podcast in the past, especially actually on another podcast. So I did an interview with Taylor Kang on my show and then I went on her podcast. And on there, we got a lot deeper into the topic of disordered eating. So that was something that I struggled with in high school and something that I struggled with a little bit in 2020. And so I realized that even though I thought, you know, I got quote-unquote better after that experience at the start of high school it's really something that can arise or be triggered during stressful situations like the entire year of 2020 and just the way that they talked about intuitive eating on that podcast was such a different perspective than I've ever heard before and it was a completely convincing argument to me for why any sort of rules around food are very counterintuitive and they actually achieve kind of the opposite of what you're trying to do, which is to just be healthy mentally and physically. Um, Especially, I really liked their discussion about how parents um, establish eating rules with their children. So, for example, if parents are super strict with their kids about eating sugar and they say absolutely no candy... And then this becomes like the forbidden fruit for that kid. And so they then they go to a birthday party and they just can't control themselves around all the sugar that is available for them. And that creates a very unhealthy mindset around it. So all of this is to say that it's not really a measurable goal. Like it's not something that I can say, yes, now I've learned intuitive eating, but it's something I can keep in mind. It's something I can learn more about. I definitely want to read that book. Um, on intuitive eating and hopefully just make small improvements. Yeah, I definitely remember when we talked about this and when you sent me the podcast episode, I still need to listen to that. But um, <laughs> to be honest, like I personally, I don't think I've really ever struggled with eating. Maybe with like 
my body perception yes but with like eating i don't think i really had mm -hmm. any problems so but i can definitely like see where you're coming from and i watched this youtuber called madeline olivia she really gives the best i tips on vegan recipes and food and like because i feel like 99% of all my recipes are like inspired by her. She went through a eating disorder, so she also had like a lot of this explained. And what I what I could take from there is that you really shouldn't give food any value. Like there's no bad food mm -hmm. and there's no good food. Like yeah, some type of foods obviously are healthy, like blueberries <laughs> and other are like not so great, but at the end of the day just like really It's not good for your mental state if you like if everything you consume can be put into categories like oh this is good and this is bad like eating is somewhat of a process and it can definitely fluctuate there are periods in life where you're just like you don't have the energy to like pay attention to what you're eating and there's so much more going on inside your head and then it's like food really shouldn't be one more additional worry so yeah so that podcast Uh, the 10% Happier podcast is about mindfulness and meditation in general. And they talk a lot about concepts, concepts of Buddhism. So in that episode, they were saying how like worrying about food is just unnecessary suffering. And if you choose not to worry about it, you can choose not to suffer. So I really like that. And it got me thinking about how when I was not little, but younger before I started struggling with any of this, how differently I perceived food. So for some reason, this particular memory came up in my mind. My family has like this recipe for these really good crepes. And uh, I remember one time on one occasion, I was eating those crepes and I could only eat, eat like three before I got full. Then say the next day, I just kept eating them and I was still hungry and still hungry. And I remember having like no value judgment about that I just noticed it and I was like huh that's funny and I didn't have any sort of negative feelings about that and then it's interesting like as you grow up and as you consume messages then that turns into oh I only ate three yesterday why did I eat so many today right and so I think just for everyone trying to think back to how we were when we were kids and before we learned anything or were conditioned to think anything um, I think can be helpful. When you talked about how parents, like, they are, they already give food some type of connotation, like, vegetables are, like, the bad thing, and only if you eat this, you can get, like, the prize and the trophy, yeah. which is, like, the dessert, and this just, like, gives vegetables <laughs> not a good reputation. That is not fair, because I really like vegetables nowadays, but I remember back then, like, my parents, they weren't forcing me to eat anything. I still have these memories in my head, though. I hated spinach, and my parents insisted that I eat spinach, and, like, to this day, I really don't like spinach. But apart from spinach, like, now, because now I try to eat vegan, um, like, the main food that I consume would probably be vegetables. And also, like, when I started to cook for myself, I, I definitely appreciated, like, the food way more. Yeah, I had that same experience. I started learning more about cooking when I entered high school. And I was like, wait a second, vegetables are so good, especially if you prepare them right. And so I was wondering, why did they get... Why was it necessary to give them such a bad reputation when we were kids? Like, 
it's it seems like the exact opposite thing that you should be doing if you want your kids to eat their vegetables. Like if you really want them to eat their vegetables, then I think you have to make it not not an exciting experience, but just like enjoy it. Don't don't use it as a punishment. Um, and then also don't use dessert as a reward. Just no value judgments whatsoever. But yes, we covered a lot of different topics, a lot of different goals on this podcast. Um, I hope the listeners are somewhat inspired by us. <laughs> We're such great Maybe. examples of goal setting. <laughs> but it was really great to talk to you. So thank you so much for just being my friend in general and talking to me every day, but today on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. I was really honored to be here and to like, yeah, just like give my two cents to all of these topics. It's hard to pull takeaways from such a casual conversation that went here and there and everywhere. It really depends on which topics resonated the most with you. But for my three takeaway segment, I will try to point out some good general points that I think we made. So I think the first one would be just don't be afraid to make online friends. Like be safe, of course, and listen to your gut. But in the past, I've also been pretty scared to reach out to people for no reason. Just like being shy to make connections with people whose work I admired or who I had similar interests with. I would always hear from other people online about how they made a bunch of online friends through blogging. And I never really understood that until last year because I think last year I really tried to step out of my comfort zone especially because of quarantining and not having any other ways to meet new people I really tried to make online friends and it honestly as you can see from this conversation with Nico it paid off Second, one very cheesy thing that Nico said was do more of what makes you happy. And as cheesy as it is, it is very true. So for him, that was posting on Instagram and being creative in that way. So whatever little thing it is, whether it's a creative activity or not, if it brings you joy, it's probably worth spending more time on it. And finally, we didn't mention this quote in the podcast, but this is something I heard from Nico. He sent me this quote that says, the limits of my language are the limits of my world. So as you could probably tell from our conversation, both of us are very interested in language learning. One of my study Korean videos was how he found me. And I know that a lot of Blissbean viewers are language learners as well. I've been lurking on the Viably group chats. I see you guys making group chats for all the languages that you're studying. And I just think that's a really good reminder that the more languages you learn, just the more you understand about the world. For today's action of the day, I think it's really fun to make a bucket list. So Nico mentioned he made a bucket list of 50 things he'd like to do in 2021. It's just a fun way to brainstorm and get really creative and just think about all the spontaneous and adventurous things you'd like to do this year. For Blissbean updates, a few days ago, I can't do the math to figure out how many days are from Saturday to Wednesday, but last Saturday, we had our first digital meetup on Vibly, and it was so, so cool. We had people from all over the world. We had people from Mexico, Ecuador, Chile, Germany, India, Japan, a bunch of people from the United States, and it was just so cool to see you all, quote-unquote, in person, not really in person, but just be able to see you as people and not just text and profile pictures on a screen. We'll definitely be planning more of these meetups. I'm not yet sure when the next one will be, but I will of course post about it on the Vibly group and on Instagram. And one more thing, today actually, if you are listening to this within seven hours of it being published, and if you are, kudos to you for being so on top of the podcast, but I'll be doing my first live stream on StudyStream where 
I don't know, I might be studying, I might be getting some other work done, but I'll post on Instagram exactly when and where that is and how to join. And hopefully I'll also be doing more of those in the future as well. So it'll be like a study with me video, but just live. And finally, for my one recommendation for today, I recently watched this movie with my dad called Bad Genius. So it's a Thai movie, it's on Netflix, and it's about this really smart girl, a genius, who basically gets pulled into this big cheating scheme at her school, um, helping, helping the rich kids at her school do better on really important exams. And it's very interesting. Someone compared it to Ocean's Eleven, and I absolutely love that movie. So I actually think I got my hopes up a little bit too high um, or my expectations for the movie, but it was still a really great movie. Nevertheless, I just, I don't think it compares to Ocean's Eleven. But if you like that kind of movie, um, if you like movies where you're super stressed out, because that one scene where they were in the exam and they were super close to being caught, that was a very stressful experience. But if you like movies like that, then I would definitely recommend that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'll talk to you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at TheBlissBean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's TheBlissBean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at TheBlissBean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.